Hey, welcome to the Waste Podcast. We are at um, episode two. Part two. Part of two. Our two. Continuing series on meat. On meat, and um, it's Thanksgiving soon. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. This will probably come out after it, though, no? This will probably come out before. Okay. Um, gobble, gobble, then. <laughs> In that case, gobble, gobble. I thought we'd start out with um, some turkey facts. <laughs> Great. Well, now this has to come out by <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing... This Welcome to Turkey Facts. Turkey Facts with What A Waste Podcast. That is, um, now I've just made an editing problem for myself. <laughs> yeah, now that's a new fun challenge I you've given yourself. Edit that into... A little yeah. rainbow. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, you know... I thought it was only appropriate. Big meeting, meat eating holiday coming up. Yep, Very huge. American. Um, a few facts. We're not going to be talking a lot about turkeys. I actually couldn't find a lot of information about the environmental impact of turkeys, believe it or not. Um, people are not really trying to dig too deep into that. Into the turkey industry. But um, first fact, male turkeys gobble. Hens do not. Classic men. Won't shut up. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. The ball, um, let's see, turkeys do not really have ears like ours, but they have very good hearing. By the way, I thought these are going to be facts about something related to the environment. <laughs> that you were, gonna, you were like, I haven't found much information about the environmental impact. But now you're just doing facts literally about what turkeys are. <laughs> yeah. Turkeys can see in color. Turkeys can see in color. Turkeys do not see well at night. <laughs> While turkeys spend the night in trees, they prefer oak trees. Okay, what are we doing here? <laughs> wild turkeys were almost wiped out in the early 1900s. Today, there are oh. wild turkeys in every state except Alaska. Yeah. 46 million turkeys across America will be trussed up for Thanksgiving dinner this Thursday. Um, 46 that's million. That's about 17% of all turkeys raised in the United States in a given year. Um, major commercial turkey brands like Butterball, Hormel, Cargill produce two kinds. I never liked the name Butterball. I don't either. Or Hormel. Hormel, I just think of chili only. And um, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, birds, a uh, little fact about this year, birds are going to be very expensive this year because of inflation and food like feeding them it's more expensive um also the avian flu broke out <laughs> <laughs> which is our no thanksgiving <laughs> this year the birds are sick a particularly <laughs> persistent and contagious strain carried by migrating birds has killed at least 3.6 percent of the nation's turkeys or about 7.3 million birds yeah, they, now they know how we feel i know most of america's turkeys are COVID, raged. folks covid most of america's turkeys wait you're telling me turkey COVID happened this turkey year? Turkey COVID. It didn't even make the news? That's what we're calling it, turkey COVID. <laughs> turkey COVID, 2022. That's what That's, year it is, right? It sounds like he's running. <laughs> what? Turkey COVID. <laughs> turkey COVID <laughs> for mayor. <laughs> That's Trump's campaign. He's not even running for national office. Most of America's turkeys are raised in large indoor facilities, some of which can hold millions of birds. Avian flu is transmitted largely by migratory waterfowl that can nest near poultry operations. This is gross. When the virus is detected, <laughs> the entire flock, tens of thousands of birds, must be destroyed, either by suffocating the turkeys with... F with firefighting foam, pumping in carbon dioxide, or in rare cases, simply shutting off ventilation, which oh. raises the temperature to fatal levels. The carcasses are usually turned into compost on the property, though some are incinerated. Oh my God, <laughs> that is dark. <laughs> Holy 
Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. Enjoy your family, for Christ's sake. We're not having uh, turkey. You're not making turkey, no, right? No, I'm, so, I'm making something else. Because I don't... My family has a very specific way of doing it, and I don't want to mess it up. I don't know. One, I don't know how to do it, and I don't want to mess it up. So, yeah, we're going to go a totally different route. Uh, Tyler's going to cook for me and a bunch of women. Yeah. Feminism. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're talking about meat again. This episode is probably going to be more about... That's the end of Turkey Facts? That's the end of Turkey Facts. Turkey Facts out. So I hope you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, a study from the Journal of Global Environmental Change that found that reducing animal foods in general was more climate friendly than just eliminating meat. So Wait, say that again? I'm sorry. Um, a study from the journal Global Environmental Change found that reducing animal foods in general was more climate friendly than just eliminating meat. Animal foods in general. So like veganism, basically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. veganism is the best diet for the climate. Um, but we're going to be talking about altern- like what are different alternative ways that are better for the environment. Um up to and including veganism. Up to and including veganism. Um, almost a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions comes from agriculture and other related land use. Um, with livestock being one of the main contributors, uh, climate advisors have said that we should all be urged to eat less meat to help protect the planet. That's not any news. We Yeah, but th- this is the thing, is they always, like, they always put it on the individual, like it, mm. it, it, and it is. You can make individual decisions. They will have an effect if we all, more of us, make these decisions. The market will correct in a certain way. But it's, it, it has to be something that goes on at the policy level that's gonna be the actual solution to mm. this. And I think education and like learning more, more about this and like, but just also access. Like yeah. people, a lot of people do not have a- vegetables are fucking expensive for them which is yeah uh one thing i do want to say which was an important thing i read was that it's a privilege to be able to choose your diet and we are very like privileged to have so much access to different foods so like we live in a and at an income level and in a place where we do have a lot of access to food um so yeah that being said acknowledged acknowledged um <laughs> bases Covered. So Americans, <laughs> like, yeah, not cancelable. Um, so imagine if we got canceled for doing our climate change <laughs> podcast. I mean, that would just really be overboard. Um, but we can make it happen. We got, if 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 any if anybody can make it happen, it's me. It's and I can do, I play a part. <laughs> so Americans love meat. Uh, meat consumption in the United States has nearly doubled in the last century. Americans Great. are now among the top per capita meat consumers in the world. Woo! The average... We Amer- did it! We did it, guys. We did it, guys! We did it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Good for us. <laughs> the average American eats more than three times the global average. <laughs> A growing body of evidence suggests... And you, could never, and you would never be able to tell by the sight of us, either. And we also have worse health problems than most of the world because oh. of that. Um, Meat is a good source of protein, which is often the argument against vegan and vegetarian diets, but most Americans eat more than 1.5 times the average daily protein requirement. Um, 
And studies link excess meat consumption, particularly red and processed meat, with heart disease, stroke, type 2, diabetes, obesity, certain cancers, and certain deaths. Um, Diets high in vegetables, fruits, and whole grains and beans can prevent these uh, health issues. Um, And other increased health risks. I don't know. I, I said we all know that. It's just it's not great for you. We eat a lot of a lot of meat and it ain't good for us. It's not good for us. Um, I don't know if everybody does know that though. Like we know that and probably a lot of people listening honestly do know that, but I I think that a lot of people think like a steak is good for you. Well, because there uh, yeah, like, there it, are it also is every once it's in like a while, you know, keto diets are very popular now. There are actually a lot of very meat heavy diets and I'm not a doctor, so I can't if you have epilepsy, yes keep eating your keto diet but for most people um it's it's just not great so yeah so if you don't know why meat isn't great for you in excessive amounts um it uh leads to high well meat has high saturated fat and cholesterol content at least like high high fatty meats high energy density carcinogenic compounds found in processed meat and formed during high temperature cooking and there's a compound called l-carnitine in red meat that may promote plaque buildup in the arteries um and like plant foods have uh health protective properties and are more anti-inflammatory and also because a lot of this is something that really i'm passionate about um because a lot of meat is corn fed as we said in our previous episode um it's higher in omega-6s which is really inflammatory and we generally have like low omega-3s in our diets and omega-6s like are linked to inflammation and heart disease and things like that um because so because most of the meat that you can get that's widely available is corn fed it's also then extra inflammatory where like plant foods are anti-inflammatory yeah i mean corn fed meat is just not the way yeah it's really i mean it's not it's the worst is beef though corn fed beef is worse than because i think pigs are omnivore like they can actually do like but cows are like specifically are evolved to like almost exclusively eat grass and when they don't do that their stomachs get like acidified and they have acid reflux every day like they have to be treated and fart more yes and fart more they have to constantly be treated for like these inflammatory diseases because their stomachs are not evolved to eat corn their stomachs are evolved and this is also very brutal because they're not just eating corn because corn is corn is like the carb and the sugar and Uh all this they're also they need they also have to eat protein and they the reason that mad cow disease happened was that the protein part of what cows were eating was cows like ground up other like bones and other things from like the industrial meat production thing this is really gross that's why mad cow disease happened. And then now they don't do that anymore, but they feed cows like chicken and pork, like still. And they're not supposed to eat that Which either. Which is not what they're supposed to be eating. They're just supposed to eat grass all day, every day. And that's they have like, you know, multiple stomachs that break down this grass into its component parts and that, you know, makes them able to get like protein and all these other things out of grass but 
it's just insane what we do to them. They're so sick, and you you wouldn't like that's not what you want to put into your body is a is an animal that's gone through that. Uh, let alone the cruelty of it, yeah, which is aw- was horrific. But like that's also if you want to be fully selfish, wait, what's like cool me, about it? That they're <laughs> okay. I was, gonna, I was like, what? I was like, this is usually my role. <laughs> this is a real role reversal on this episode. But yeah, it's just it's just insane, and it's so not good for you. Yeah, as we said, as Tyler explained in the previous episode, we have the surplus because we have a surplus of corn and soybeans. Um, it has fed in. Mm-hmm to the livestock industry. So we're going to be talking about uh, like all the climate impacts later, but we're going to start with the history because it's really interesting how, like, okay, we talked about this a little bit before, but we love meat. Fourth mm-hmm. of July, we love grilling. Uh, thanks, we love a Thanksgiving turkey and a Christmas ham and turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't really have much of a national cuisine, but when you think about American food, it is like hot dogs, going hot to dogs, the ball burger. game, hamburgers. Yeah. Uh, it's ground up, cheese. ground up meat and carbs, yeah, and sugar. That's that's the most because we also have a smorgasbord of other foods <laughs> from other countries because we are a, a melting pot. Yeah, my teacher and one of my teachers in in uh, college, one of my professors, he would. I took a class called Race Law in the Constitution, and he didn't like the melting pot thing. He called it a salad it's bowl. It's a salad bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we don't I think that's combine. I think he was drawing that from somewhere else. I don't think he else. made that up. No, I think you're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. We have a lot of different food cultures in America. Email that professor now and go, I know you did it. <laughs> I <laughs> know what you up. did. You stole that. <laughs> I said it on my podcast and in the moment realized that you did not make that <laughs> up. You did not, indeed. You are not that. <laughs> he was great. So we love meat, and especially if you look at the media and how vegans and vegetarians are portrayed, we like to make fun of them as a culture, and we just, we love meat. It is funny. It is funny. It is fun to make fun of vegans. I'm sorry, vegans. Chicago. Have a, have a sense. Of, th- here's how you stop any, anything that you're being made fun of for, just own it. Own it. Have a sense of humor about it yourself. Honestly, that will help more people become vegan i actually on my way here it felt very meant to be i passed um a pita poster uh-huh. um and it that's that's portraits okay <laughs> <laughs> she pulled it up and it was just a picture of herself going like this it said kids if you wouldn't eat your dog why eat a turkey and the dog's face was on turkey and it said go vegan pita pita uh-huh. i mean we really got to work on <laughs> that is so stupid Oh my god! <laughs> like the kid is gonna drive that. Anyways. Like wait, the kid, the dad, the parent, the dad in that family is gonna be like, you, "Fuck you" to his own kids and make a two turkeys now instead of one. Yeah, the processing time on that ad while you're driving past it for the kids is just not working for you. Yeah, they're probably gonna, they're gonna go. Was that a dog? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're gonna. Oh, doggy! Uh, Do- uh, oh. Now they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and they're on their way to McDonald's. All they took away from that was a turkey body. Yeah. With the dog that made it look good. Is there a dog in front of that turkey? That's what they thought. Yeah. They don't have the ability to do that processing. So work, do better, Peta. So. <clears throat> God, Peta is annoying. Yeah, it, which is a huge part That's of. That's a the, huge problem. Yeah. Have a sense of humor. 
people will like you more and your message will get across better. Yeah, the, mili- the militancy is... The militancy of PETA, I think, is a huge reason why <laughs> veganism overall and vegetarianism is, like, so... There's such a stereotype against it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have a vegan friend and they're funny and they they can make fun of themselves, you're like, all right, hell yeah. I mean, I don't have any problem with anybody, to be honest, but it's like... <laughs> But it, it's just like that shit is just so annoying. Like yeah. that ad and like the the person version of that ad. Yeah. That like ha- treats their veganism that way. I mean, it's annoying. Uh, it would be interesting to do a whole episode on PETA because I, I don't know much about the PETA history. But it is a, an, it's an interesting look at how their marketing, I don't think, really worked. No, They're mostly it, annoying. Yeah. It just, it just makes... It's counterproductive. Okay, so the history of meat in America. Um, and Chicago, we're in the place to be to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Um, in many European countries, land and the animals on it were property of the king. So meat was reserved for elites and peasants didn't eat meat. Um, so that was like the back-back history of it. It was Meat was for rich people. And then the colonists came to America. They f- randomly found tons of land. <laughs> stolen from native americans and they brought in imported livestock and then yeah um and suddenly just were able to have lots of meat because they were able to have land where they could create it so by the time of the american that's not really stupid they had land where they could create it they could farm animals and there was just like a lot more freedom to have meat um so we just became a meaty country like as (laughs) as immigrants came to the came in the 1800s america just became this mecca for meat um immigrants like the irish fleeing famine could buy cheap meat to stew um, and there was just this association that was created between eating meat and being American. Yeah, being American and like I probably a lot of these people coming from other country, it was like just not plentiful where they were coming from, mm. I think. And it's like, yeah, it's a status symbol as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like getting being like having like a big rib roast on your table. Like that's like, whoa, this is like, you know, it still feels like that to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it it feels it makes it's you like feel an identity rich. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, around that time, many Americans were getting their meat from a neighborhood butcher instead of hunting, hunting or farming themselves. Urban dwellers sourced their chicken and beef from outlying farms. Um, so New Jersey farms, for example, provided meat for people living in New York City. Um, and unlike contemporary grocery stores, where only choice cuts are sold, butchers in that time hawked as many parts of the animal as possible. So we're talking to Oregon meats. Uh, we're talking <laughs> recipe books, even advised home cooks on preparing brain. So Americans started eating so much meat that people were getting sick. And this is actually also, a, I think it was, let's see, I'm going to look this up. Um, Kellogg, uh, the Kellogg sanitariums. Kellogg was an insane person. So in the 18, like people, we we were eating so much meat as a country that people were getting sick. And then this was also the same time that like Kellogg and these other cereal produce, like people who ended up making the cereal brands, they created these sanitariums to try to offset how unhealthy people were getting. Yeah. Um, It was just like not a super healthy time to be an American. People were eating a lot of meat. The rest right. of the time yeah. where it's also not healthy. <laughs> We're just, we just overall haven't done great. No. It's been a sprint. Yeah. Um, 
And there's no finish line. It's a, it's a sitting sprint. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sedentary sprint. <laughs> Seems sort of odd. So the mass production of meat started in the early 1800s. In 1818, the first meat packing plant started in Cincinnati. And then... Hey, Cincy! Cincy. So Shut the Midwest up. was huge for this. Go uh, Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow's hot. So 1870s to the early 1900s. Hundreds. To the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> eight, nine, <laughs> 19th century to the 1800s. Yeah, put some music behind this. Uh, railroads expanded, and then Matt. God, I can't talk. Meat packing spread westward from Chicago and Cincinnati to places like St. Louis and like farther west states. So Chicago was a huge, Chicago, huge meat packing place, um, and of course made famous yeah. by the book The Jungle. Um, yeah. So Chicago, Upton Sinclair. Upton Sinclair. That's one. Shout out to review. my high school education. So the Union Stockyards in Chicago were basically the meat hub of the world. Uh, definitely the United States. <laughs> I just think meathub.com. Meathub.com. <laughs> That's a pornographic site. Yeah. Um so That's a they should that should be like a barbecue like review website or something. Meathub.com. Meathub.com. <laughs> it probably net. already is. So if not, uh don't take that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. That's idea. yours. That's that could be our Patreon, actually. Yeah. Meathub. Um so <laughs> How it used to work was like far millions of farm animals used to be transported to major cities to be slaughtered and processed. Um, it was a defining part of Chicago. Chicago was dubbed the hog butcher of the world by Carl Sandburg in his iconic poem, Chicago. Um, it's called the what? The hog butcher of the world. Chica- <laughs> <laughs> that's why I moved here, actually. I heard that. I heard that. That's what it was called. The was hog Chicago, butcher. the the people like did you move here because of stand up no no i just want to be in the hog butcher of the world <laughs> that bombed so bad i have nothing to say <laughs> yeah thank you for your help on that <laughs> jesus there Christ. was nothing for me to yes and what a big bo- what a big fat bomb it was a railroad hub there was a lot of proximity to midwestern farms um the refrigerated train car was created around this time and Meat became super cheap because of how quickly it was. Pro- they were processing animals in the assembly lines. So, in the stockyards, like it used to take eight to ten hours to process meat. Um, and when the stockyards were created, it came down to like thirty minutes. So that's a so, so that's a big reflection of like how it is now. Is meat is in part so cheap because it's we've created these systems or the systems were created. I had nothing to do with it. Where, <laughs> where. We're processing animals super, super quickly, super cheaply. Um, The animals are fed cheap food. And so we're able to create it on a massive scale. We're able to process meat on a massive scale. There was definitely some sort of Henry Ford of meat processing Mm -hmm. at some point. Mr. Meat. Mr. Meat. (laughs) Henry Meat. Henry Meat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Henry Hogg. So the the Union Stockyards of Chicago were... established in the in 1965 the yards processed two million animals yearly or they weren't established in 1965 that's a typo i'm gonna cut that out um they were so two million animals were being processed yearly by 1870 um by 1890 child's play now i know by 1890 it rose to nine million um in 19 in 1921, the stockyards employed 40,000 people and occupied more than a square mile of Chicago's south side. 
Um, and like I said, Chicago became the meat processing center processing center of the world. Ooh. There were a lot of labor issues, so strikes started <laughs> happening. Unions were created. In that time? <laughs> I know. <can> I, <laughs> I can't believe that they weren't treating workers well back then when they still aren't. When they were all wearing um, newsy hats and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just a general lack of respect for one another back then and now. It was so gross and that's what the jungle showed. Like the stockyards were so disgusting. Um they were just dumping all so a lot of the stockyards were along the south branch of the Chicago River near Bubbly Creek. It's called Bubbly Creek because they were so at one time 500,000 US gallons a day of Chicago river water were dumped into the stockyards. So much stockyard waste drained into the South fork of the river that it was called bubbly Creek because of the gaseous products of decomposition. It would literally bubble up. Chickens could walk, run across <laughs> the top of the water. It was just like filled with carcasses and disgusting. The, I mean, there's still probably stuff at the bottom that they're like trying to clean out and dredge now. But uh. I used to, I used to row and in college and we would row down the south branch and there's just you know you never know when you're gonna see like a diaper float by it's just a gross it's still <laughs> gross that's not from the stockyards but it was just disgusting <laughs> and the city reversed the God. flow of the chicago river in 1900 um in large part to keep the stockyards volume of waste products from flowing into lake michigan because it was a huge sanitation issue oh my it was God. so disgusting yeah um sounds like a good time to be alive <laughs> the jungle came out and inspired a movement for food safety so there were all these work hazards because workers were told to use a corner of the room as a bathroom um, workers who processed bones for fertilizer con contracted lung disease. Tanners developed sores and cuts on their fingers from working without gloves. There was constantly danger of amputation. Um, God. <laughs> God, there's so much human misery in that century. It's so... And to think about how disgusting it must have smelled. It must have... It was just like... And the they, were pro they were probably making no money. Yeah. To for all of this. A lot of immigrants. Um, the last stockyard closed in 1971, but it's still, so the south side of Chicago is still the site of a ton of um, heavy industry. Mm -hmm. But it was it's just gross. So that was stockyard life. And but still, like meatpacking is still inhumane, gross for both the animals and the peoples. Yeah, there's the people always, involved. There's always like during the pandemic there was big there was a lot of big stories about like people striking at uh right? Yeah, so the earliest the, like, outbreaks of shit? COVID were concentrating and concentrated in meatpacking plants and they wouldn't shut them down. Like Donald Trump, I refuse to call him president, uh issued an executive order to keep facilities open. Remember because he called them essential workers because we like needed meat. Yeah. Um, and, but their pay was so low, like usually $13 an hour. And a lot of them were um, like super vulnerable workers, so they couldn't quit. So, like, a lot of immigrants yeah. and refugees. So, after the 1970s, a lot of meatpacking was moved to rural areas. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes you like driving around doing stand-up, sometimes you see like this giant building and you're mm -hmm. like, what is that? And then you realize it's either like like where they're raising chickens and pigs and all this stuff 
or it's where they're processing it. It's like a Tyson plant or something like that. It's and they're gigantic places. Yeah. It's Ugh. it's so gross. Um and right now only 18% of meatpacking workers belong to unions, which is down 90% from 1950s numbers. Um and yeah, it's still really dangerous. A meat or poultry industry worker loses a body part or is sent to the hospital for inpatient treatment nearly every other day, according to Human Rights Watch. Well, at least it's not every day. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I work for the company. <laughs> well, on the bright side, every other day. I want to I draw attention to the word other there. And that is progress, and we are working on making it a weekly occurrence. <laughs> It's your character, Mr. Meat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am Mr. Meat. I'm here to address (laughs) our employees. They're waving at him like... (laughs) Hi, Mr. Meat. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. (laughs) It's like, now get back to work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're trying to flick him off. They're like... They can only give him rock and roll. (laughs) He's like, like, yeah. He's like, yeah. These guys fucking love me. Yeah. They're like, (laughs) 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 They they go get their check. It's $115 for two weeks. Oh, God. It's really fucked up. That was, I remember that was like one of the big early stories I listened to um, during COVID was that like people couldn't quit, but they couldn't go back they couldn't not go to work and it was just super fucked up um so days dark days in america and large industrial meat packing companies also continue to keep meat prices low so low that smaller local producers struggle to compete and i found even within myself you get addicted to that like even now that i'm like because i've been cooking for a while and like now i'm trying to do it like grass-fed all this stuff like the higher quality stuff and it's like you're sitting there and you're like it's like double or triple the price that you used to that you're used to paying like i got a i got a whole chicken at the farmer's market and it was like 38 bucks or something and i was like what yeah (laughs) Yeah, you get you get like like yeah i got like a 38 dollar chicken and i was like okay (laughs) and uh because i couldn't back away now at that point i was like oh no that's not your work is not worth that um but yeah you get a chicken at like i got a, a you know you get a chicken at the grocery store and it's like $15, $15, $15, You can literally $14. go to Trader Joe's and get, like, a full thing of drumsticks for, like, $8. Yeah. It's it's insane. So, the, you do get addicted to the low prices, and it's like, we just have to know that it's going to cost more to eat better quality stuff. And it is an ignorance. But it, do, but it doesn't have thing. to, though. Like, we're the only reason that that meat is so cheap, it is the meat processing plant, and it's not they're not paying enough and all this stuff. But it's corn. Yeah. It's because there's all these incredibly corn corn farming is not profitable. So every corn farmer gets a subsidy, gets literally a check from the government every month to produce or every season to produce more corn. And it's like if we just stopped doing that. The, the everything would shift yeah. and it would have to be now the, let's subsidize instead these farms that are doing it sustainably mm. and let them scale it's going to cost more still but if the government pays them to do that for the health of if we force the government to do that for our health as a country 
Like that's that's the way things actually change. Everything that every like positive thing that happens, like where we make a broad scale change, it comes from literally the government just pumping mm-hmm. money into it. And it's the same thing with bad shit. Like there's all these subsidies for fucking oil and gas production for corn production. And it's like we have too much of this stuff. Yeah. It gets me all fucking. You're fired getting up. all riled up. It's me a little pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, so it doesn't have to be so expensive, yeah. but it is right. It's because we're like cheating. We're we're taking we're cutting corners. Yeah. Um. There's a reason it's so cheap. Like meat shouldn't it should not be as inexpensive as it is. Again, place of privilege. There's some people who can't afford. We also just have such a fucked up food system, and also people aren't paid enough. So cheap meat and cheap food is what some people um require to live. <clears throat> but again, also like most of that meat isn't actually really good for you. So it's horrific. It's really for bad for you. Um, okay. Talking environmental impacts of meat now. So meat accounts for nearly, as we said earlier, uh, uh, the meat industry accounts for 15 about 15 percent of greenhouse gas emissions globally Globally. so meat accounts within food production meat accounts for nearly 60 percent of all greenhouse gases um and production of meat worldwide causes twice the pollution of the production of plant-based foods um the entire system of food production such as the use of farming machinery spraying of fertilizer and transportation of products causes spraying of fertilizer but also production of fertilizer Mm. and transport of it and all this i mean it's like an insane insane the transport is huge yeah and the transport of animals all of that causes 13.17.3 billion metric tons of greenhouse gases a year um grazing animals require a ton of land which is often cleared through the felling of forest and no felling was a word but i put that in there because i copied and pasted it (laughs) as well as vast tracts of additional land to grow their feed um so yeah deforestation is a huge problem like that's a big part of the deforestation of the amazon um of the rainforest is just flattening land so that they can create factory farms and um graze animals and um well, also, they, uh, the other solution to that is what they do here in America is they just make the grazing animals not grazing animals. Yeah. That's what they do with cows is they just don't let them graze. They put them all in small spaces and they feed them corn slurry. It's insane. It's so gross. It is ungodly. It's literally corn slurry. It's just a fucking wet mess. That's a good Patreon episode is we should eat corn slurry. No, I'm not doing Let's that. Let's try it. I'm not doing that. Um, so the <laughs> difference in emissions between meat and plant production is huge. To produce one kilogram of wheat, 2.5 kilograms of greenhouse gases are emitted. A single kilo of beef, meanwhile, creates 70 kilograms of emissions. Yes, I got this from The Guardian, which was using European <laughs> measurement systems. <laughs> I do not know what all this equates to, yeah, but, but the numbers lot. are bigger for meat, and let's yeah. just remember that. Um, and then water is also a huge issue. So around 80 to 90% of U.S. water consumption is dedicated to agriculture production. Um, for animals, this includes the water that's needed to grow the crops consumed by livestock. Water that is directly consumed by livestock. Water is used to scald the animals. And any remaining water used to scald cleanse. Scald them. Scald them. 
Okay, water pro- footprint of a turkey sandwich. One leaf of lettuce is two gallons of water. Two slices of bread is 24 gallons of water. Two slices of cheese are 32 gallons of water. And a fifth pound of turkey is 104 gallons of water. Um, and I think it said 1,800 gallons of water for to produce a single pound of beef. And water is for sure going to be the major... There, I mean, the water wars are coming. Water. <laughs> you, you, you do say that a lot. <laughs> The water wars, wars are coming. <sighs> God. I don't know. Maybe I won't have kids. Hey. Why are you <laughs> so happy about that? <laughs> you got so that was a reaction I wasn't prepared for uh, yeah, myself. You, I really was like, I don't know. Maybe I won't have kids. And you went, good. You shouldn't. Yeah. You well, got you've really come to your son. The podcast is working. <laughs> God. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Keep thinking about that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have kids. I'll. I'll. No, but you know what? We do need good health, kids. Whatever hellscape we we gr- we live, they have to grow up, and we'll we'll deal with it. So many people are gonna be not having kids. Like we now have eight billion people on the planet, but there's gonna be way more old people with w- way fewer young people to take care of those old people. Like a lot of people aren't gonna be having kids. Um. So you should have kids because they would probably be relatively smart. <laughs> Relatively, okay. Um, I still don't know what my deal is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now alternatives. Um, you said earlier Michael Pollan's quote: "Eat food, not too much, mostly plants." Um, Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan. Come on the podcast. So the average adult needs fifty grams of protein. Um, but in 2009, this is an old stat- 50 grams of protein. 50, okay, yeah. Um, but the average. But you need more if you want to build muscle. Yeah, like big guy over here. The average per capita. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was rude. <laughs> that was <just> big guy, <laughs> relatively smart. <laughs> That's w- this how you talk about me? No. Who's your podcast host? Well, big guy, scrawny, <laughs> scrawny bitch, who's kind of, kind of smart. Making Thanksgiving for me. <laughs> yeah, I invite you into my home. Um, so, but the average person in the U.S. consumes 90 grams of protein, which uh, is every w- day. Yeah, which is yeah. way more than we need. Um, um, but you you can also get protein from like not meat. Exactly. So, but that's what it's saying is like most people eat way more than they need. And so the big argument is that people often say like you just can't get the protein you need from a plant based diet. Um, there are also other nutrients. I think honestly, men should not be allowed to eat meat anymore. I think women should be allowed to eat organ meats on their period. And if I was dictator, that was the, the that is what the okay. I feel like this. <laughs> Took a real turn. (laughs) 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 I mean, we're just talking about history and numbers, and then you go, men, no more meat for men. (laughs) Yeah. Why organ meats on the period? What is that about? Because we lose so much iron. Uh, I do feel better if I have a little red meat when I'm on my period. Yeah. Me same. Same. (laughs) Um, Okay, so a study in 2016 from Oxford, from the University of Oxford, showed that emissions could be reduced by as much as 70% through adopting a vegan diet and 63% by vegetarian. That person would be eating cheese, milk, and eggs. Um, and it also, it would reduce, there'd be a reduction in global mortality by of uh, 6 to 
Um, yeah. Again, you can do this stuff for any reason. Yeah. Choose which one is most motivating to you. But you don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be vegetarian. But eat more plants and less meat. That's It's going to be better for you. And you're going to be making a better effect on the world. I honestly, well, because I try to eat out as little as possible these days because I'm trying to save money. I just don't like cooking meat. Like, it it just, like, makes my apartment smell. I've, like, mostly eaten vegetarian in my adult life because I don't like cooking meat. That's interesting. I never, I almost never cook without meat. Really? But I don't, I cook very little, not very little, but, like, much less red meat than I do like chicken and mm. fish and pork. But uh yeah, it's it's like it's steak I never cook. I mean, it that just absolutely kills your house for like a day. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's interesting. I I don't I don't do like meatless uh, days or meals. Do you eat meat every single day? Yes, 100%. I mean, I just we got that on camera. Both. That's just how. That's just how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just like that's. I mean it's my default setting. But yeah. I don't eat huge portions. I eat like a chicken breast, and my girlfriend eats the other one, and then we've taken that from a whole chicken that we bought, and then we're using the we're making stock on a, we're having the leg and thigh for another meal, and then we're making stock out of the bones. It's like I try to use all of it, and. I don't know. I I don't. I don't really. Ha well, I'll, I know some vegetarian dishes, like a lot of pastas and stuff. Mm -hmm. I will eat like meals without meat and like a salad, but usually we'll add like chicken or something to the salad. So, what do you have all the time that's vegetarian, like recipes? Um, I. I Made a Greek salad with uh, chickpeas I've been working on the past few days. I honestly got a rotisserie chicken this week because... Uh, rotisserie chickens are great. They're, they're relatively cheap. It'd be better if they were organic, though. They're not generally organic. Yeah. But they, if you don't know how to cook, like that's a great, great place to start. So instead of getting like a eight-pack of, uh, you know, or five-pack or whatever of, ch of boneless, skinless chicken yeah. breasts... Get a rotisserie chicken, shred the meat, use it for different things, and then make stock out of the the bones, mm. and then make soup uh, with that. You know, it's yeah, a very I'm good gonna, option. I'm gonna you make do a whole a, week like that. I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna make a chicken soup at the end of the week. Um, yeah, I got a rotisserie chicken. I'm just trying to be better about making sure I'm eating three square meals a day, so I don't get really hungry. Cause I'll work, I'll overwork and then skip lunch and blah blah blah. And having a rotisserie chicken around is good yeah. for a single woman. But you don't have to have three meals a day. I I never have three meals a day. Uh, my blood sugar tanks if I don't. Really? Yeah. It's different for everybody. I have not eaten yet today, and it's what? four o'clock. Well, yeah. men are different. When it's honestly like I ate late last night too. Intermittent though. fasting isn't as good for women because we need our blood. Because if you go into a fasting state too often, then your body's like, oh no, I'm starving, and then stops giving you a period. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't uh, have that problem. Um, <laughs> interesting uh, no that sucks that's crazy I, I I eat I eat lunch and dinner every day and I, I rarely eat breakfast I um, love breakfast 
I I don't I just I don't have care a big about bowl breakfast. of oats. I, that's good. I boil good. oats everywhere. When I when I eat breakfast, I like to eat like light like yogurt, a couple of berries, granola, something like that. I don't like a heavy breakfast except for like you know, if you're hungover or something. But it's like even then it's like you're just going you're just gonna feel so heavy all day. I just feel heavy all day. But I will try. I'll go on record to eat less uh eat less I have more vegetarian meals. There we go. Yeah, big uh Tyler's big big uh big challenge. But here's an example. Okay, like <laughs> I think we can work on a better title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Tyler's uh big um big uh challenge. Big challenge. <laughs> here's okay, here if I'm like really doing well, like quarantine, I pretty much ate vegan from most if not all of quarantine um and here is a week of that i would eat probably like winter meals i would eat oatmeal for breakfast um and usually a big batch cook thing so i ate a lot of like veggie tacos i love veggie tacos i love refried beans i can eat them straight out of the can and then sauteed vegetables um uh-huh. like stir fries um yeah, yeah, with yeah. tofu i ate a, i grew up eating a lot of tofu so i'm fine with it i also really like tempeh is, is tempeh better for you yeah it's fermented so it's, so it's yeah. like easier to digest i also do i think it's higher protein. it's higher protein i, I do like tempeh a lot i, would, I, I should do that because i Tempeh I actually liked. I tried it in, um, and I like tofu too, but like tempeh, I remember we went to uh, this this vegan um, Thai place in Portland when I was there, of course. But uh, I was like very skeptical. I was mm. like, God damn it. I just got like pad Thai, but it was with tempeh and it was fucking fantastic. Another thing, usually I don't eat a lot of salads in the winter, but like I'll eat, I usually I'll have a salad for one of my meals when it's warmer out. And then like at Trader Joe's, I'll get the fake. They have basically their version of Beyond Burgers. Mm. And I'll have that in a salad with a bunch of veggies. A, beyond, a burger and a salad? Yeah, just cut it up. What? Yeah, it's great. Beef salad? Well, no, it's like they have like turkey ones. I don't oh, usually okay. I was like, that's so strange. <laughs> it's really just like putting chicken in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, or I'll do like a fake burger. Um, I, I do like a huge, I have an instant pot. So I do like a huge soup or stew. I love vegetarian chili because they also, so. Yeah, you don't need meat and chili. It, I, I, it no, makes but it, I use impossible. I make it better, but. I'm, I, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 what I meant to say is so I think it makes it better, but it. I've had really, really good vegetarian well, chili. Well, I'll make you mine. Um no it's an impossible. It's really <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've, the amount I've talked about not being a good cook. Is a little, I'm not saying, but the last time I, t- I heard about you cooking, you're like, I made this curry. I ate it all week. I'm so sick. <laughs> that was bad. I got really <laughs> sick. I have given myself food poisoning like three times. Yikes. Um, no, but I use. So speaking of uh, fake meat. I really like the impossible fake meat. It is a processed food. So I try, because it's still not great for you. It's a bunch of like artificial yeah, it's not ingredients, but it's really high protein and it tastes exactly like ground meat in a chili. So I'll just like use that instead in a chili or I'll just do like a three bean chili. I Yeah, I would just do beans. Like you could just add, well, I mean, if you're really trying to make it vegan, that's harder, but I would just add like other umami sources like, like soy sauce or something mm. like that 
you know, or like fish sauce, but that's not vegan. But like, yeah, just add other umami. It's going to be the same. And the, the most of the flavor from chili is coming from chilies, like vegetables. Yeah. So I, that's like a perfect one to do veggie. I also do a lot of pasta. I get like the I love chickpea pasta. I fucking love pasta. Chickpea pasta sucks. I love it. It's the texture of it is all wrong, but I respect it. <laughs> I respect the the, the 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 like what you're trying to do with it, but uh, wow. it's just not okay. The condescension. It's is just unreal. not okay. Well, I'm saying like you're doing it for like a a, a nutritional reason. Yeah, I get that, and it's pro- it's an approximation. But like regular dried pasta, like high quality, it's just it's just different. Yeah, it's better. Now I got it. <laughs> but I'll do that like on a quick night, and then just not have a like at night. I don't feel the need to eat really high protein, which is the opposite um, advice most people would get probably yeah. or give because you shouldn't have high carbs at night. But I do like a chickpea pasta. I have a little bit of protein from that, and then it's I'm, I'm not heavy before I go to bed. So those are some ideas. Like I do a lot of soups in the winter. Yeah. They're definitely good. I, I grew up, the thing is, I grew up vegetarian, so it's really easy for me to conceive of yeah, I just like don't. Meals. I just don't have, I, I mean, I get, like, as you're going through these, I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But <clears throat> for meatless tacos instead of tofu. No, I don't, tofu. I thought you said that. No, no, refried beans. Oh, so you just do, like, beans and then, like, salsa i mean i do amazing veggie tacos i do like refried beans and then sauteed vegetables like fajitas and then you know put some avocado salsa yeah i would do mushrooms oh mushrooms i would chop up mushrooms like really small and then do it like that's like ground beef yeah and then again soy sauce and well yeah beans and then mushroom (laughs) you can have the beans all you want i'm not (laughs) anti-bean nobody nobody could ever say that i'm anti-bean I'm pro bean. Feminism. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um, one thing I did want to address is pescatarian, eating pescatarian. You're just like, that is not okay. It's not. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. I think for a while, it, it is often something people do to transition out of eating a lot of meat. Yeah. Very valid. Um, but... Heavy metals and pollutants in marine fish are just a huge issue now. It's pretty difficult to find fish that don't have some sort of pollution in them. Frontiers in Ecology and Environment, which is a journal, came to a conclusion (laughs) (laughs) um, that not all fish are equal. So farmed shellfish, mollusks, and fish like sardines, mackerel, herring, pollock, hockey, hake, And cod were found to have the lowest impact on the environment. But a lot of aquaculture, which is farmed fish, produce more greenhouse gases than farming livestock. Um, So if you're eating fish to reduce your carbon footprint, then you want to avoid farmed fish, cat, farmed catfish, shrimp, and tilapia. Um, And uh, yeah. Tilapia sucks anyway. Don't eat tilapia. It just not tastes like nothing. I've had. That's why I like it. I don't like seafood, so I like that it tastes like nothing. Yeah. Um, also, eating have cod. Eating wild caught fish isn't necessarily better for the environment. Um, the demand for seafood food is so high that twenty nine percent of the world's fish stock are classified as overfished, and another sixty one percent are fully exploited. So yeah, it's like a fine transition. I love a tuna salad. A tuna melt is my favorite food in the world. That's when I go to New York City. I eat a tuna melt. 
Usually once a day. That's <laughs> insane to me. I don't think I've ever had one because I've so always good. I've always just thought like my parents would make them, and I was just like, no. I mean, I should try again now as an adult, but like, who? I just fish out of a can. I just oh, I love it. I just don't get it. I don't eat it often. There is also um, for a while I ate this like vegan vegan version of a tuna salad, which is chickpeas. And the yeah, other stuff, and it's that. really good. It's really, that. really good. Um, there's actually an amazing documentary. Um, I think it's called Athlete A. Oh, The Game Changers. It's on Netflix. It's so good. It's about um, vegan athletes, and they do this t- blood test where they have athletes eat um, like a, a beef burrito one day, and then they give them a blood test, and it's – and then the next day for the next meal, I think it's maybe the same day. The next meal they have a vegetarian one, and the veg their meat or their blood immediately after the vegetarian meal is like completely clear. On I can't remember the different parts of blood. We'll have a doctor on plasma. Maybe the plasma where it's like the there's the red part and then like a clear part. Is that plasma? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And it's like completely clear and it's all cloudy at the meat. Like what? Eating anti-inflammatory foods has an immediate impact on your blood. So, like, yeah, it's really I good feel, for your health. I, I feel better when I eat a lot of vegetables. I mean, that's it's, it sounds silly to say it's so obvious, but it's like you feel lighter. You feel just like you're, like, cl- clean, burning energy. Like, but, I mean, it's just so good that sometimes you want a steak. But it's just, you just it's like everything. Moderation. Moderation in all things. If you're having trouble transitioning off. Because some people do just like eating fully vegan. Yeah, no, totally. I, I like... You're I'm talking not, to yourself right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can only talk from my own yeah. perspective. <laughs> well, here's, here's a concept I found that I liked, which I think applies to us. Ethical omnivorism um, or compassionate carnivorism, which is a diet involving the consumption of meat, eggs, dairy, and produce that can be traced back to an organic farm ocean fish consumption is limited to sustainably farm raised and or ethically and wild caught without contributing to illegal poaching it's a little bit harder to control where you're getting your fish and the sourcing but i do like in my ideal world the only meat that i would eat would be from an organic farm but yeah that's not that and I just yeah I'm not like my boss I've, I've talked to my boss a lot about this because we work for an environmental organization I feel so conflicted about this because I love meat so much but I'm surra- I am surrounded by information that's pulling me out of ignorance but it's I just love it I, I usually feel better when I eat it and she gets her meat from organic from an organic farm mm-hmm. and like in the summer she finds them at the market and then I think she gets a delivery in the winter it's, yeah, it's way more possible. expensive. A- and you can also, there's all these different like services now. Like there's one called Porter Road that like is, is they source meat from like, uh, like I haven't looked that deeply into it, but at least what they're telling you is like, don't, this is more ethically sourced and yeah. grass fed, all that. Even Butcher Box, I think is solid. It might not be perfect because it's getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. that their standards yeah. slip a little bit. But I mean, I've gotten stuff from ButcherBox and it's great. So it's like there's a lot of services out there where you can like y- you can get stuff like the, the w- since you can ship now with like dry ice like to a direct to consumer, 
it's you can just get a box of like of like yeah just get a delivery mm. if it's not around you go on the internet and, and try to find it it will cost more but that's almost good because it's like i want to have less of it yeah. so higher quality and less of it yeah. um i liked i found this um it's important to reframe reframe meat as a delicacy and not a staple um and uh experts are proposing a tax on meat like cigarettes to reflect its social and environmental externalities and to dissuade purchases um because yeah right now it's like you can just buy so much meat but it's the price isn't reflecting the act the true cost of it tax corn that'll be more effective mm. it's not meat it's corn both it's the meat is because of the like i i swear i mean i read one fucking book what do i know <laughs> but it's like i we wouldn't be able to produce this much meat without the corn mm. it's like go straight to the source you know well we also need to end but yeah both both price distorting government subsidies that benefit the u.s livestock industry exactly. the government bails out the livestock industry a lot in 2013 53 billion dollars went to livestock subsidies in 35 countries um just a little just a little bit of money yeah you know i think food is a great food is a great way into sustainability for for environmental issues in general for a lot of people just because everyone loves food we mm. eat three times a day or more or less yeah depending on who you are but it's it's very personal for everybody yeah absolutely i mean this is a great one to share with your friend if it's the first if it, to I talk think about it at the thanksgiving table yeah i mean it's a great uh i think it's a great introductory episode of like what we're doing is like we're discussing it we're trying to have fun with it so share it with some friends bring them into the fold follow us on all the things and uh thank you very much bye, bye.